The goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to one more episode of the Data Transformers podcast. And for today, I'm very excited to introduce a guest who's been in the data and analytics industry for quite some time. So Amaresh Tripathi, he's a senior vice president and global business leader at Genpact. Amaresh, I'm honored to talk to you. Welcome to the show. No, thank you. Thank you, Ramesh, and uh, great to be here. Excellent. So to get started, Amaresh, uh, so uh, just why don't you introduce yourself, what you do at Genpact? Uh, yeah, so uh, Ramesh, I run the, uh, the, the analytics, data analytics business at Genpact, uh, which is essentially means uh, everything from our technical perspective, everything on the data, everything around insights, and everything around our AI services uh, that we kind of go and take for our clients, uh, which f fundamentally are our entire philosophy being taking, uh, making tech work for businesses. So that's kind of the intersection we play in and then how to drive uh, data and analytics and better decision-making through data analytics in large enterprises. That's kind of where I focus on. Hmm, interesting. So when I looked at your profile, that, that something that really came across to me is that you are ahead of 8,000 plus data yeah. scientists, data engineers. And I said, oh my God. So I mean, like they're only 24 hours in a day. So uh, how, how does he manage such a large organization of data scientists and data engineers. So, uh, so what kind of challenges uh, do you face in, in managing such a large uh, organization? Yeah, one is more than 10,000 right now. So that the profile is a little bit old. Uh, okay. so, and, and the market is crazy. Uh, the challenges, I mean, so there, there, are, there are one set of challenges that you would think of managing any large organization, which is uh, how do you kind of communicate one vision how do you have how do you have once you have a vision around where you want to take the business and 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 the practice how do you communicate that so everyone kind of aligns to that or have has an understanding of that and they can articulate in their own words right i mean it's it's harder in any capacity as as as, as any leader is harder to kind of get that alignment our large large group which is spread over 30 countries and different time zones even harder uh, so that's obviously one thing, and which is a lot of our management is via large scale communications, right? I mean, that's that that's another one mechanism to do that. Uh, second is there are uh, challenges around managing just this particular kind of business that you would have, which is a very high growth, ever changing business, which is anything that is from a technology perspective. Technology plays a big role in this. So from a technology perspective, anything that is relevant here, 24 months from now, it is probably not going to be as relevant, right? Or so or it'll be less relevant. There'll be something new that you have to be kind of the so how you're do you being kind of... you're being too gracious. You said 24 months, you said like a, <laughs> maybe you meant to say 24 hours, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. I hope we don't get to the 24 hour cycle here. Then we'll be like journalists with news cycles, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so that's kind of the that's that's the other aspect of it. But the third is also like kind of the, the more more fundamentally is 
how do you actually, uh, I mean, and I speak a lot about it, data science and, and, uh, and analytics is, is an area where there is a lot of hype also, right? Uh, and how do you actually keep it real? Uh, how do you actually keep it real for your teams? How do you keep it real for your clients uh, in the sense of the importance of understanding business and understanding domain and getting depth there equally as important as getting the depth on the technology side. So I, I think it's it's a little bit about managing the team through via communication, thinking about kind of the cycles and what would be relevant not only now, a little bit later and kind of getting people aligned to that. But but more also more fundamentally, how to actually keep it real in a very hyped up market and a very hot market, uh, which is some fantastic positives, by the way. Don't get me wrong, but it also means like you have to kind of create a business that sustains itself over a longer period of time. Uh, economic cycles go up and down. Yeah, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And and especially so again, this is my bias. Um, I, I come from a business side, so and then uh, you definitely want you're passionate about making the tech work for the business, okay? So, uh, and then you are very passionate about data and analytics from everything that I've seen. So the challenge, um, managing uh, a large technical organization is that they're focused on technology and uh, whereas you are focused on making the technology work for the business. So, um, so how do you uh, inculcate that sense of, hey, you know, we are not making the tech work yeah. to make sure the tech stack works, but you have to make it valuable so it achieves some the business goals. So how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, listen, compared, I'm, I'm very fortunate uh, from one perspective on, on Joint Pact here is, is that it's kind of part of the DNA. So there, there is something about the DNA, and then I'll tell you, obviously that doesn't solve all the problem, but there's something about the DNA, which is which it's a company that started with general electric and understanding business processes and, and understanding the value of an outcome of the business. The tools are different, what doesn't matter to some extent, right? That DNA is there, right? So in some ways, when you work in this environment, you always think about outcomes, you always think about business. And that's how we kind of organize around. Uh, we have organized a lot of our businesses, what we call through our service lines, which are basically think about uh, your functional domain areas like supply chain, finance, marketing, sales. If, if you do that as risk, automatically there is a business inculcation that happens and there's something about the DNA, there's something about how we organize ourselves that helps. That's kind of why I think is one. Uh, the second piece of it is we have this whole mantra, which we call bilingual talent, right? And by bilingual talent, we means your technology talent is important. Your business talent is equally as important and vice versa. There are people who come from a lot of business backgrounds who pick up technology along the way and become very good data analysts. And, 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 and you can start being a data engineer, data scientist and kind of pick up the domain aspect of it. But as a culture and as, as a focus area for the practice, we, fo we focus on making people bilingual as we, call, as we call it. So that automatically drives the empathy because I mean, fundamentally it's all about uh, having an empathy from a business perspective from our, from te on, on technology and technology perspective of business. And, and that empathy is what we try to balance by like kind of, again, as I said, managing through communication, rolling out the importance of this whole tech for business, bilingual talent, how we organize ourselves. It's, it's a series of things. It's not one or two things mm -hmm. you do. It's a series of things you will have to do to say, this is who we are, uh, which may not be always the most hyped up thing in the industry right now, but that is who we are. That's how we are at the core. And that actually works for our clients and works for us. That's kind of the play. I mean, actually, I, I think at the end of the day, if we don't make it work, then we have a bigger problem. Yeah. Right. right? So then, uh, by the way, I can also speak from experience that 
even if uh, somebody is an engineer, a technology person, they want to see their work reflected in real world, right? Yeah. I worked in a company where an engineer worked through multiple years, three to five years, and they haven't seen a product come to market and they get disillusioned uh, by that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I think everyone, everyone, you're you're 100% right. And to be, to be candid, that, that is what, that, it's not only the sophistication of what you're working on that always matters, it's the outcome of what, what matters. Yeah, and 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 I think and there are some some things where there is very sophisticated and it and 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 the outcome is fantastic. So so there's there's a whole balance of things that you have to go and drive. But absolutely right, it's it's if if, if there is a the, the outcome drives what what we find is a lot of people out, outcome drives it and their skill set on what they want to learn and everything depends on when they know they'll be more relevant to yeah. people to 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 our clients to uh, to their colleagues if they understand certain things. It's it's more likely they will pick it up. Excellent. So actually, I'll go a little bit more uh, later on into the areas of the, the employee motivation a little bit later, sure. especially in data science. So the one area that I do really want to now um, talk about is um, we are now at the tail end of 2021. Yeah. And uh, so coming out of pandemic and people are saying it's going to be endemic. So however, that's going to be. But this is the time people will come with predictions. Yes. And uh, I have seen that uh, Amrish Tripathi has also started uh, coming up with the predictions. And I read one prediction, uh, that recent uh, LinkedIn post that you read, which is uh, so very illuminating. So one of the key points that you're talking about going forward in the area of data and analytics industry, see this back end and, and front end, right? So analytics used to be somebody's IT job, they will yeah. do, we tell them this is what it is, they come with a dashboard, and then we say, no, that's not what we want, all that stuff, right? So those days are over, right? So what you're saying, those days are over. Increasingly, analytics will be the front end. It will even, uh, I mean, of course, we have even seen the self-service analytics where the business people themselves are doing the analytics, right? So, so can you talk a little bit about this prediction where you're talking about it's going to be the front end? What do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, see, I mean, for, for folks like me who have had, had the, the benefit and the fortune of kind of working in this industry for a very long period of time where, I mean, actually, I was in an era, I started doing this work in an era where analytics was not even the back end with IT. It was just a back end of somewhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. It was yeah. part of IT also. Uh, here's, here's, I think, I actually... I, so, so very personally, I actually do not think of myself as an analytics professional. I see, my, I always think of myself as a student of decision making, uh, and and that lens is essentially what I kind of take to the businesses I lead and uh, to the people I lead and kind of the work I do. Uh, and if you see from that lens, uh, what fundamentally is happening is how do you make, how do you essentially provide uh, how do you actually in, inject data and sophistication of algorithms within the data mm -hmm. uh, along with the data to aid your decision making fundamentally that's kind of what we are doing it so we are, and, and and a lot of it is how we are trying to make it faster so things that took time to organize this and that uh, and things i mean think about excel i mean that's like a major change in how kind of decision making used to be made Excel provided a tool of kind of crunching data and organizing it and probably doing some more analysis simple sort if function that function it, it, it changed decision making because kind of a series of things that it was, it was enabling to do. So there are, 
And at the root of it, that is the same problem we are trying to solve. We are trying to basically solve our gut. It's not solve. I mean, we, we make decisions every day with or without the data, with our gut, with our experience, by whatever, flipping a coin, whatever you use, you, you make a decision. Decision doesn't wait. How do you make it more effective incrementally? That's that I see is all the game is all about that, right? It's almost like it's a game of the blackjack being happening and you are counting cards every time it's a little bit better. Yeah, uh, yeah. That is that entire cycle is as, as it plays out. What has happened is there's a whole host of tech, tech technology that has kind of come in, and before that, like algorithms that have come in. And like any sophisticated technology, like for instance, I like think about cars, right? Now electric cars, you open it up, there's no parts to even do anything with it. It's all subsumed. It's it's all there. It's 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 what you, you can't really integrate it out. You don't understand the details behind it. So mm -hmm. any any technology over a period of time essentially becomes invisible, right? And that is fundamentally what is going to happen. Uh, like. And in consumer things, you're already seeing consumer AI is invisible. You are doing AI on your Siri, this and that and everything. It's invisible to you. You're actually doing fairly sophisticated work yeah, uh, already yeah. there. I think the same thing on an enterprise, a uh, lot, lot of the technology will become invisible. By, by becoming invisible, it will just become come in front. And they want to be like, oh, I'm a data scientist here. You're a business person, this and that. It will fundamentally be about decision making. And, and obviously, this is, a, this, is, this is a longer cycle that will probably take in enterprises because of various reasons. But that's kind of where, when I say it will be in the front, means it will become invisible. And the person who is the person who is the data scientist, who is the business person, and they're going to make better decisions because it will become, in, the, the lot of the technology will become sophisticated enough, fast enough, and invisible enough that it will not matter. Hmm. So that, that's an, an interesting perspective. I mean, to some extent, it's accepted perspective. I would say it's not that it's uh, something that's uh, out of the loop, right? That's right. Yeah. So um, on the other hand, I also uh, want to just get into this other area of where you talk about it. It's, it's, uh, the data and analytics is like playing a blackjack, right? So one of the articles that you read, you wrote about is, is, is that. And uh, some of the key points that you make um, in that one are like, for example, it's a long game, right? It's not just don't look at uh, uh, something that you can just do in a short term and then done with it. And then other points like, you know, they're not just break the silos and right. Um, here's the point, Amarish. So my challenge with those kinds of things is that in, in practice, it's difficult, right? And especially in the days when you have a chief data officer whose supposedly average tenure is less than a couple of years or something like that, yeah. right? So yeah. you're forced to, it's almost like a football coach, right? So you yeah. have to deliver yeah. the results sooner than later. Yeah. So, and then break the silos, the silos that continue to be there. Each organization wants to make their own impact. So in practice, so uh, you know, how, how do you think you can go and reach that vision of, you know, hey, you know, uh, it's a long game, so, but play for the long game and break the silos and things like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're you're 100 right. It's 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 very it's very good to have an ideal vision, but on a day-to-day -day basis, you're going to operate kind of towards an ideal vision. And how do you kind of do that? But I think the point is, as I said, making it less about data, less about analytics, and more about decisions. That's I think number one. Okay. Right. Because uh, the silos and everything and all of that, it's much easier to align people on decisions rather than kind of my data, your data, your rights, my analysis, your analysis. That's uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. You want we can do that. Second is uh, I think there's a, on a very tactical basis when I mean, you talk about chief data officers and everything. 
think about where you some decisions, and if you look at from that lens, there are some decisions that need speed. That some and some decisions get a lot more value from sophistication. Okay. Right? There are some that, like for instance, if there is uh, uh, like a fraud, uh, <coughs> requires probably speed is worth again both, but speed actually matters a lot more, right? Yeah. Uh, and sophistication in some cases, like, yeah, I mean, your cancer deduction and everything, sophistication matters a lot if you're doing, doing an image image classification there. I mean, you, you better be sure there. So I think just thinking about what decisions, what tools and how in a very pragmatic way and how we can move, move, kind of do it. And not everything requires a very, very deep machine learning algorithm. Not everything requires my uh, Excel is good enough in a lot of these cases. How can I make progress on better decision-making in the organization? I think there are many ways to kind of do that, but that gives you a right to kind of start breaking down silos. That gives you the right and the credibility to start breaking down, uh, kind of playing the longer game slowly, slowly. Because in some ways, like blackjack, the main thing you can only play in the longer game if you know how much you want to bet in each hand. Otherwise, yeah, you, you you would get wiped out before you before your strategy falls falls through. Yeah. So how much you bet and how you actually play that game that actually is even equally important, obviously. So win each game, uh, so you, you you can walk out uh, over the long term with you know. Or, or bet uh, you know when to bet how much. That's basically an equally important uh, skill uh, than just getting the right on the long run. Yeah, so excellent, excellent. So, and with that, uh, the beginning, uh, you did talk about uh, some of the, you know, emerging technologies that are you know, accelerating at a rapid pace. And then uh, in the passing, you mentioned something called artificial intelligence. So, yeah, I did hear about it. So, over the last uh, couple of years, it's just been like a crazy in terms of uh, you cannot have a, you know, any conversation without mentioning artificial intelligence and machine learning and all this. Okay. So, so with that, uh, what are you seeing in the marketplace with respect to uh, the projects that uh, that require a mix of you know like things like AI and ML, or is it just that that's the new shiny object that you have to somehow test the waters? You have to find a project to use the technology, otherwise. Uh, you know, you you will you will not be relevant. Is there that kind of a pressure, or do you think there are meaningful projects that can really use AIML? Are we at that stage? Listen, it's it's both. Yeah, it's both, and it's all about. I mean, being an analytics person, you think about distribution, right? Uh, like, yeah, twenty percent of the time, or 20 percent of the time, you need the the problem is very ripe for that kind of sophistication and the right tools and the right data is available, absolutely you have, you have to go and use it, right? I mean, we do work for instance, uh, around predictive maintenance around when kind of planes land and they kind of spit out like a bunch of data of, 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 from their engines. Uh, there is a, you do on a real time basis, you have to very quickly identify which specific part needs to be proactively repaired and kind of turn the supply chain on a real time basis so that you you have the plane and the and the part meet at the right place and you kind of do the right thing with them and avoid flight delays right it is something against like massive volumes of data is available uh, it is where speed and sophistication matters because you want to like you want to essentially make sure the right parts parts are kind of you you're, you're doing the maintenance at the right time and there's a there's a value case around it. You can create a value case around it. Great, right? There are a lot of other cases where listen, I I can provide you 
the right report or the right information at speed on a real-time basis with speed with very little analysis, some filtering. That's good enough, right? So I think it's the, so there's always a spectrum of 20% probably is there, 80% kind of is on which which will require mm-hmm. like not as maybe not as AI sophisticated that's like level sophistication or like deep learning kind of a, a algorithm things. But on the other hand, then the other problem we have is the definition of AI is also very broad. Like a logistic regression is actually a technically an AI algorithm is a classification and algorithm means is a classification of AI algorithm. So how you define it also kind of you you have liberty to kind of play. AI right now is a marketing term. Right? Yeah, it's not a technical term by and large in the industry, and that's fine. Uh, the, 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 the philosophy behind it, which is kind of the author AI, which is, I'm really interested in, which is what I call augmented intelligence, right? Which is, it is not about AI as in, because the, the whole whole vision of AI and, and, and kind of the Hollywood vision of AI is like, like say a self-driving cars actually have kind of reinforced it, that it is all autonomous decision-making. No, yeah. most of the decision-making in enterprises is actually augmented. It's like, People are going to make the judgment calls. People are, I mean, the salesperson is actually going to decide. The doctor is going to decide whether they're going to, it's a cancer, cancerous cell or not. The, uh, the, the credit collection agent is going to decide how to actually make the call, whether to accept the machine's recommendation or not. Yeah. So it's, it's actually a confluence of man and machine working together to yeah. make better decisions. So with that expense, AI is everywhere. Like that augmented intelligence as an AI is everywhere, right? And it should be a lot in a lot of more places. So there's a couple of ways to cut at it. One is the marketing term. Second is which ones truly require sophistication. And third is like artificial automated automated intelligence or autonomous intelligence or augmented intelligence. Whichever way you kind of throw, think about it, uh, it, you will get to a slightly different version of it. I actually like that the way the way you're putting it. Just think of it as a stepping stone. Like, you know, it could be automated intelligence. So I start with the automation, right? So that assisted, I, I would say assisted intelligence, augmented intelligence, and it could be autonomous intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So take those um, in those areas. Okay, good. So a little bit of segue into a different topic uh, sure. before I start talking about your journey. And yeah. as if um, you didn't have enough uh, things to do with managing 10,000 plus, uh, you know, workforce, a data scientist workforce, I should say. Uh, you are an adjunct professor yes. at um, UNC Charlotte, for, yes. uh, and you're also founder and chair of board of for School of Data Science. Yes. So, and then you're still continuing. I thought maybe you started it and then got too much, no. you got out of it, but it uh, looks like you're one of those people, you know, who really loves a lot of pain. So what's going on here? <laughs> no, listen, I've been, uh, I've, I've always been, uh, so I haven't, uh, I've always wanted to be an academic and obviously just in terms of life and you kind of, you end up where you end up. Uh, but uh, so there's a love, there's a passion for teaching uh, and a pa- passion for involved, getting involved in research and academics has always been there, uh, which is kind of re- reflects in kind of the work that I've been doing with the University of North Carolina and uh, at Charlotte. Uh, and, and and it's it's really fascinating because it's, it's, it's a program that kind of, I got it, I got a fortunate to be involved in during, during a, fairly uh, in nascent stage where they had a small certificate program then it became a like a professional master's program then a, like a big master's program now it's an undergrad program with a phd program and it's school of data science so it's it's been very gratifying to kind of see over the years as the field has developed what is academics kind of what's the academic world kind of has caught up with it and one one part of it is kind of me in my own way giving back because I see the, where the industry is and I see where the academic is and kind of where, where the two meet. That's, that's my way of kind of giving back to, 
in the world of academics, to be honest, I learn equally as much in return as to what where the future is. I told you about this 24 months like where things are going and everything. I get I get a like a bird's eye view of okay, what some of these things are coming up, what are what what is our what is the talent want, how do they are thinking about it, what's the mix and profile of people coming in. That gives me makes me a much better business person on the other hand. So it kind of it's, it kind of works out pretty well. Excellent. So actually, um, yeah, same thing. I work extensively with the University of California at Irvine. Yeah. Um, there's a different vibe that comes from working in that kind of environment. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, um, so uh, we think we are giving, um, you know, so much to it, but we are getting a lot more. At least yes. I'm getting a lot more out of that. Exactly. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.